Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Man, God is awesome. Not just good, He's awesome, right? All the time. Yeah, I like how we updated that. God is awesome. All the time. There we go. So my name is Lane McDonald. My wife and I are the youth directors here. Um, and I get the privilege and honor to share the gospel, share the word of God with you this morning. Um, I do count it an honor, a privilege. Um, I also think it's awesome that, you know, I get to speak when Pastor Tony's out of the building. So... <laughs> I get to say whatever you know, I want. Um, if things get a little haywire, then I'll probably just tell the guys, cut the audio real quick, um, and we won't share that with him. But um, I am the youth director here. I am passionate about God's church. I'm passionate about God's children. Um, I'm even more passionate about specifically your children, young people. Um, but one of the big things that I am uh, big on is I'm a Bible guy. Um, and I know one of our values here at Legacy is that we're faithful to the word and I try my best to live my life in accordance with God's word. I truly believe that all of uh, God's truths, all of his uh, words are, you know, they're there for a reason. The Bible is a tool that we can use to be able to find the truth in this chaotic and crazy world that we live in. Um, so I am excited to be with you guys. I'm excited to share this. So before we dive into this, I'm just going to pray real quick and then we'll kind of get into this. But God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the people that you've brought here. I believe that you have put this message on my heart for someone or some people in this room. I believe that whether they've been with God, been walking with you forever, uh, if they've just started their journey of faith, or whether they have no relationship with you, I believe that there is something in this message for them today. So God, I pray that you just be with us. Be with us today. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, let us be challenged, let us be persuaded, and let us just have a deeper truth and relationship with you after today. And we pray all of these things in your mighty son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, um, yeah, so we have been in a series called Prepare the Way. Pastor Tony kicked it off two weeks ago, and our amazing pastor, Paula Velasquez, preached last week, so let's give it up for her. That was a great word. And so I am, you know, I'm excited to be able to continue on with that message of preparing the way as we are leading up to Easter, where we focus on our Savior, um, our Savior Jesus Christ, where we focus on how he laid down his life. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day. So I'm excited that we get to be in preparation for Easter, that we get to, you know, have this series. Now, I was talking to my wife. I was letting her know I have this, this story I, I, or I have this message about preparing the way. And the problem is I wanted to relate myself to it, but I am not very good at preparing in advance. <laughs> so I am not what you'd call um, somebody who is really good at preparations. I am very optimistically spontaneous is how I like to put it. <laughs> Um, which usually means you need to keep a shovel in the car because you're going to get stuck somewhere because Lane decided to go take you on some adventure and you're gonna, it's going to be way longer than it should be. But I was thinking back a few years ago when I actually put a lot of work and preparation into a hike. There was a specific hike that I wanted to go on with my girlfriend and it was going to be super special because she didn't know that I was going to propose to her on this hike. So I prepared in advance by the day before getting her parents' blessing. Um, I figured if I give them really short notice, they have to kind of let me go for it. And then I prepared in advance by inviting her sister to come along as our photographer. She did not know that. Her, my girlfriend did not know that at the time. Um, some things that I didn't prepare was the fact that 
my girlfriend at the time really needs caffeine to kickstart her day. And my dream was that we were going to wake up super early to get on this hike. And we were going to go hike this mountain, end up at an alpine lake. The sun was going to peek over the mountain, and it was going to be a picturesque moment to get on one knee. And she would just have to say yes. (laughs) So I woke up early when it was super dark, and I didn't realize that the hotel, it was too early for the food to be made for breakfast. So we're going to start our hike with no food. I also did not plan on the fact that I didn't bring coffee with me. So now we're going on our hike with no food, no coffee. And it's June up in McCall, which sounds great for a wedding, except that it's about 40 degrees in the morning. And that would have been fine, except that now there's wind blowing. So we're going on this hike. We have no food. We have no caffeine. It's dark. It's cold. It's windy. We get up to the top where our beautiful lake is supposed to be, and now the snow has melted, causing our lake to flood everything. Trees are down. The trail is gone. There's wind gusting off of the lake and smacking us in the face, and there is no sun because it's covered in clouds everywhere. Now, one thing I forgot to mention is that on this hike, in order to cue my, sis- my future sister-in-law, so the story ended out okay, but my future sister-in-law, I told her, I was like, my cue to you to get the camera ready is I'm going to say the trees are so beautiful. Well, we got up and we start getting, this, we got up to the lake, the wind's gusting, and my sister-in-law looks at me and she's like, are the trees beautiful up here? <laughs> and Michaela kind of looks at me and I'm like, no, they're not beautiful up here at all. These are not beautiful trees. So we ended up hiking back down the mountain. I kept the ring in my pocket, and I thought it was just done. All my preparation ruined. Now, long story short, we end up going into McCall. We get some food and coffee, and we're like, hey, let's go check out this trail. We go on this trail. The sun starts coming out. It gets to be super hot. And just at the hottest point, right after my lovely girlfriend apologizes for her attitude in the morning, and I apologize for the lack of preparation, we come across a waterfall, and the trees were beautiful. So I got on one knee, and she said yes. But I say all that because I'm thinking about how I tried to prepare a way, but the Lord had to provide a way for me. And I know that's a crazy story, but I love it because I think about the fact that Yes, in that story, God provided a waterfall and a moment for us to have this awesome time. And, you know, it's kind of how our life goes. I'll prepare something and it falls apart and it still works out in the end. But the Lord provides a way for us. Even when we don't know exactly how God is going to take control of situations, I want us to look at a moment when God provided a way and God kept his promise with us. See, God is a God of the entire plan. He is God of the beginning and the end. He is, you know, everlasting. He sees it all that we can't see. And one of the things I love about this time of year is in preparation for Easter, we focus a lot, really the entire season, on Jesus, on his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, which is so key to our faith. That is the gospel, that we had a Savior who laid down his life, who died but didn't stay dead and came back to life on the third day and saved our souls. And that's the gospel. I love it. I'm all about the gospel, clearly. However, I think sometimes we like to think about the gospel as only taking place in the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When somebody asks you, oh, well, what do we know about the gospel? You're going to be like giving them you know, the life of Jesus. You're going to be telling them about what he did for us. And that's true, and that's good. However, I feel like if we don't look at the Bible as a whole, sometimes we're selling God short on how big his plan is for humanity, how big his plan was for us, and how he provided a way and he prepared a way in advance for our Savior. One of the things that I love, I love that God foreshadows. One of the beautiful things about the Marvel Universe, as it were, you're like, where is he going with this, this youth director? Talking about the gospel and Spider-Man or something like that. But... 
In the Marvel Universe, they created the art of foreshadow. Like you would go to a Marvel movie and you'll sit for a half hour after credits for just sitting and watching names for a one minute clip that'll foreshadow a movie that's gonna take three years to come out, <laughs> right? That one minute clip, you're holding on to it. It's literally created a problem for movie theater janitors because now people are sitting at the end of every movie waiting for the foreshadow and we're like, Nobody needs another movie after that. I'm, I'm not going to name some of the ones I was thinking of. But there are, I love that God himself foreshadows what his plan is for humanity. Yeah. He has foreshadowed the gospel. And so I'm a Bible guy. I'm going to hit you guys with a ton of scripture. I'm probably going to go quick with some of them. So if you're taking notes, try to keep up. I tell that to my youth. I might just keep up with me. I'm going to throw things your way. Now we're going to start in Genesis. I'm going to go back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, because I think that it's important that we realize that even from the beginning of our word, God had a plan. God was providing a way for us. Now, we're going to be looking at a passage in Genesis chapter 22 where we learn about a man named Abraham and his interactions with God and his son, Isaac. But before we even get to that passage, I like to give you guys context as to who Abraham is. If you've been here for a little while, you know Pastor Tony has a famous phrase that says, I can do all things through a scripture verse taken out of context. <laughs> you don't see that verse at Hobby Lobby. It probably should be there. But I don't want to give you guys the passage that we're looking at without the context of who Abraham is. So we're going to go to our first interaction with him when his name was not Abraham, it was actually Abram. And this is found in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And I love this passage, and this is key. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haram. Now, I love this passage because, first of all, this is the first time we hear about Abraham and it's also the first promise that's given to Abraham. And this promise is key but it's because it sets up everything in Abraham's life. It doesn't just set up everything in Abraham's life. It sets up everything for the rest of the Bible. This promise is what's setting up the rest of where we're about to go. But before we even get into that, I wanted to kind of give you like an appetizer point, as it were. I don't give you guys like three points and stuff. I'm going to be appetizer points, okay? So your appetizer point is you don't have to be qualified to be called. And I love this. You don't have to be qualified to be called. Think about it. Abraham, at this stage, when God is giving him a calling and giving him a promise, he is 75 years old. Now, according to man, that's old. That's done. Like, I deal with youth on Wednesday nights, all the kids you don't want to hang out with. They're loud, they're obnoxious. But these 13 and 14 and 15, these young kids, they have a call on their life at a young age. Like, they have a passion, they have a desire for God. And the beautiful thing is you look at these kids and you're like, wow, you have so much potential. Look at how many years you can go. Look at what you can do with all your life. And God chooses a 75-year-old man with no children to build a nation out of. Now, if you don't know anybody, you'd be like, God, what are you thinking? This guy is not qualified. Why don't you find somebody who's a little bit younger? And if you start looking at Abraham's life, which I encourage you to do so, not while I'm talking, but later on when you get home, keep reading after Genesis chapter 12 because it's not just that he's old, he literally goes to Egypt later on in the story, and he's afraid that the king of Egypt wants to take his wife, so he tells his wife, tell them that you're my sister so they won't kill me and they can just have you. 
that's messed up. <laughs> like, he's willing to just throw his wife out there and just to save his own skin. Now, I think about it in our own lives. It's really hard, you know, really easy to throw rocks, but it's like, how many of our own lives are we willing to sacrifice others to save ourselves? How many times in our own lives we're like, well, I'd be willing to like let that person fall as long as I'm okay. Or as long as my family's protected, they can do whatever they want, right? The other thing that we find out about Abraham is he is called at 75 to be, have, a nation, have a great nation. We learn that he does not have a son for 25 years after that. He's 100. He's even more or less qualified, right? 100 years old when he has his first kid. But before that, he tries to take matters into his own hands. He tries to rush the process. He tries to take things out of God's hand. And rather than trust God, he's like, I'm going to take things and do it my own way. And I think that it's easy for us to judge Abraham and be like, wow, he's so unqualified. But when we look at ourselves, aren't we the same way? We can look at ourselves and be like, I can't do so-and-so's job, or I can't do this for somebody else because I'm not qualified for that. But here's the thing about Abraham that I love. Yes, he may not be qualified, and yes, he is called, but the other thing is he was obedient. He was full of faith, and he took action immediately. God said, here's the promise, and he took action the next day. He went and stepped out into that calling. And I look at it, and I'm like, so for us today, for us who want to follow God, how do we know if we're called? I think we all can find out why we're not qualified, but how do we know if we're called? 2 Timothy, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1, in the ninth verse says this, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, not because we're qualified, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time. So he's already thought about it in advance. He's already provided. He's already prepared that way. And what's our job now that we're called? We are to be obedient. We are to be full of faith, and we are, able, we are to take action now that we are called. That's your appetizer. You can sit with that for a second. Now, we're going to now jump to Genesis chapter 22. And this is where I really want to dive into the meat of everything here. Genesis chapter 22 is now Abraham has a son. God has fulfilled the promise in him. He has given him a son. And let's read in Genesis chapter 22, and we'll start in verse 2, when God is speaking to him. It says, take, oh, and before I go in there, you'll notice I have underlined little phrases here, and we'll come back to that, but I want us to think about these little phrases, and if you want to underline them in your own Bible, you can, but God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, which I love that he says it. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. (laughs) Whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants along with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to, his, to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham responds, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And I love this passage because this is a big task. This is a big ask. I mean, I have a daughter and I love my daughter. Like, she's a miracle. And I don't want anything to happen to my daughter. And God is saying, Abraham, I know you love Isaac. I know you've waited 25 years for this son. I want you to sacrifice him for me. I want you to give him up for me. 
And I think that if we don't have a posture of obedience, then this becomes a problem. We need to be postured towards the promise of God. See, Abraham loves his son. He's a good father. This is his only son, his promised son. However, he does not love his son more than the promise giver. He doesn't love his son more than the promise maker. And I think this is a warning for us as believers that we are not to allow God's promise or calling to become an idol in our own life. I think sometimes in our own lives and in my own life I've fallen into this where you have worked so hard in following God and you have been given a promise. You've been given a calling. You've been given blessings. And then when God asks you to lay that down or to give it up or to release that, it's hard. I want to hold on to it. I've worked so hard. God, don't you understand how many years I've waited for this promise? I've waited for this. And now you want me to release it and give it back to you? But we cannot allow God's promises to turn into an idol for our lives. A position that's given to us can never replace God. A title that's given to you can never replace God. A relationship that you're in can never replace God. The finances that you've provided for your family and that God gave to you can never replace God. And I think it becomes very dangerous, very dangerous when we start to look at the promise more than the promise giver. We look to the blessing more than the one who blessed us. And I look at today's churches in America, for example. I mean, I grew up as a pastor's kid. But when I see the stories that come out about abuse and cover-ups and all these things that happen within churches within our country, it's very apparent to me that someone took the promise or the calling and has separated it from God. And I think it's a dangerous position for us to be in when we start to take the position and we start to take the finances and start to take the relationship and elevate it above the one who gave it to us. The other thing that I love about Abraham is that, yes, he's postured with obedience. He's obedient. He's going to do what God asks. He does it immediately. He remembered the purpose of the promise. See, Abraham wasn't just promised a son. He was promised a purpose with that son. Because Abraham remembered the promise and then he also remembered the purpose of that promise, he had the faith that they would both be coming down that mountain again. See, Abraham is taking his son, but he tells the servants, he says, hey, we're going to come right back. I have faith. I remember the purpose of this. If we remember back in chapter 12, the end of that in verse 4, it says, All of the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham understands that if God takes away this and I have to lose my son, how will that purpose be fulfilled? What he does, though, is he has faith that God will fulfill his purpose. God's promises come with purpose. And I think about our own lives. Like, we have all been promised. We've all been called But what's the purpose of your calling? What's the purpose that God has given to you that goes along with that calling? Because I think if you don't remember the purpose, you can lose sight of who God is. If you forget that God is a good father and that he has a good purpose with that promise, then it's easier to trust him. It's not always easy. I'll tell you even in my own life, I, will, I felt the call of God on my life when I was 16 years old. I was at a conference up in Washington, and some stranger that I don't know came up to me and said, God has a call in your life, and you will be preaching the gospel to people. And 16-year-old Lane was like, that's great. I'm going to go home, and I will go to a Christian school, so that's not really on the table. I'm a pastor's kid at a church. It's probably not on the table there. I'm not working a job. I guess I'll just be faithful and just read my Bible. But I can tell you from my own experience, I lost sight of the purpose of that promise. 
I walked away, I've shared my testimony before, but I've walked away for God, from God for nearly a decade because I lost sight of the purpose of that promise. I lost sight of that. And I don't want us to lose sight of what God's purpose is in our life. Paul, if we're reading in the New Testament again, bouncing back and forth, like I said, I'm going old to new, old to new. It's the same message. But back in the New Testament, in Romans, Paul is writing to the Roman people. And in chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, Paul says this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. Once again, another reminder. He's planned this out in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And I love this because it's not actually just that we're doing it on our own. We have a roadmap to follow. We've all been called. If you are a believer, you have been called. Now you have a purpose to fulfill. And if you need a reminder in this church of what that purpose is, our amazing leaders have literally put it on the walls for you. It's amazing, right? What did Jesus do? Jesus was presence-driven. So we're going to be a presence-driven people. Jesus was radically hospitable. So we're going to be a radically hospitable people. Jesus was uncommonly generous to people. So we are going to be uncommonly generous. Jesus valued everyone. Everyone. That's a big deal. Everyone. And so we are called to live out a purpose of valuing everybody. And if you need more resources, we put that on the wall too. You have to be faithful to the word. Because how are you actually going to know anything about Christ except for what you hear from a pulpit or from people and podcasts and stuff? You get into the word of God. You study his life. You study the whole thing in the, in the whole context of everything and find out what did Jesus do that made him so radical that we are still talking about him 2,000 years later. And how are we going to be able to take part in that calling and fulfill the purpose that God wants in our life? See, Abraham did not know how God was going to fulfill his purpose He just knew he was a God who fulfilled his purposes. And God always fulfills his promises. I put it on the slide and I said, never forget that God fulfills his promise. And I I put that maybe as a reminder to myself. Because it's sometimes so easy, especially in our Christian walk or a daily walk or just a work or family. It's easy to forget sometimes who God is. God always fulfills his promise. Now, the other part of that, and I think I want to touch on this, is who do you think God is? Because if your view of God is not a good and loving father, then you're not going to even focus on how he can fulfill his promise. You're going to look at him as like, he gave me something, now he's trying to take it away. A good father, though, doesn't take something away if it's going to be good for, or it's going to be harmful. He, the, our good father has said in the earlier verse that he is doing these things for the good of others. He's a good father, and Abraham knows that. He knows that God has a reason. He doesn't know what it is, and that doesn't stop him. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, we're now at the part where even though Abraham had faith that him and his son were going to be coming off that mountain, he obediently went up the mountain with a knife. That right there is a big deal, in my opinion. You can have faith that God is going to save your son and be like, oh, I don't even bring the knife. I don't need it. Are you actually willing to show that you're willing to release what God has given you? Like, how serious are you with releasing what God has given to you? How serious are you in saying, God, this is not mine, but this is yours. Not my will, but your will be done. I have faith that you'll redeem this. I have faith that you'll save this. I have faith that you'll do the right thing. You'll do the good thing. I don't know how that works, so I'm going to take the knife with me. Because even in the end, I know that you can make a miracle happen. 
even in the end, if I have to kill my son, you will still fulfill your purpose in this promise. And I don't know how that works. I've never seen it done. But you are a God that can do this, and you are a God that can fulfill anything. In verse 12, it says, don't lay a hand on the boy. An angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named this place Yahweh Yireh, which means that the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And I don't know about you, I think even a miracle in that is there's a ram with his horn stuck in a bush. Like, have you ever seen a deer get his head stuck in a bush? Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Like, you don't see these animals like, oh, it's just a bush, they're stuck. God provided a way when there was absolutely no way. He made something happen that could not happen. Abraham did not know how God was going to fulfill that promise. He just knew that God would fulfill the promise. And I think in our lives, there's so many times when I don't know in my own life, I do not know how God is going to fulfill his promise in me. I don't know how he could use me, an unqualified speaker. Uh, you know, I'm a college dropout. Why am I up talking to anybody? You know, I talk to youth. Why am I talking to adults? Like, I, I don't have my life figured out all the way. I still mess up, yet God is still willing to use me in any way he wants to. And I look at this room and I see so many people that are called and have a calling on your life and have a purpose to be filled, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter what it is. Like, God can use you and wants to use you. Are you going to be obedient to that calling? Are you going to step out in faith? You don't have to know how he's going to use you. You just have to be willing to step into that. I love when I read this whole passage, all of the foreshadowing that's taken place in it. I love the fact that God provided a lamb in Abraham's story. And in our own lives, when we are dead in our sin, he's provided a lamb in our story. And I think when we look at Good Friday, we're going to be taking a moment and we're going to be focused on looking at the cross, looking at the lamb in our own story the lamb that was put on a cross and died for us. And then on Easter, we're going to celebrate the fact that our lamb has survived and our lamb is redeemed and has resurrected. But I think sometimes if we don't think that we need a savior, this has no impact. It reminds me of a story like I've told before, but there was another hike that my wife and I went on. We like hiking. We're not very good at it. I'm not good at it. But we're hiking in this, this valley. And we're following this river. And we know that at the end of this river, there's going to be a mighty waterfall. And so it's me and my wife and our dog. Now, I had the bright idea to take the dog off the leash on this hike. I was like, he's been on hikes with us before. He's doing great. It's a beautiful day. There's no people around. We got this. We're fine. So we're walking around through this ravine. And we get to this ridge. And it's looking over the river. And the river is flowing. It is rushing. There are rapids. There's foam going. And honestly, it's beautiful. It's serene. I love being out in God's nature. I love seeing creation. And I love the fact that my wife takes her camera and captures these moments. So she takes her camera out and she's capturing the moments of the foam splashing up on the leaves and the dew and the grass and the birds everywhere. And she's, she's capturing God's beauty in this world. And so me and the dog, we go up upriver a little ways because I want to get out of the shot. I don't near it. I don't want to mess anything up. Now, I go up, and I'm supposed to be watching the dog to make sure the dog is close. Now, we get over the edge, and I'm looking at this log that's put across the ravine. And then I look over, and I notice that our dog, Oliver, has slipped right on the edge. And in a matter of seconds, he is gone. 
He is over the edge, and I just see his head go into the water, and then he's gone. He is now just being engulfed in waves of rapids, and I don't know where he's at. I don't know. All I know is he has now slipped under a river in a torrent, and there's nothing I can do to save this dog. And my first thought is, I just killed Michaela's dog. <laughs> I don't want to drive home in this situation. <laughs> I immediately do the only thing I can think, and I, I book it. I take off running. Now, I am not a runner. You can probably tell. I book it. I run down, and Michaela looks at me. She's like, what's wrong? And I said, Oliver fell in, and I rush past her. And as I get down, I look and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to try to find this body of a dog in here now. But my wife, what she does, instead of booking it and running and trying to freak out and scream and stuff, she looks in the river and sees a little bit of him and immediately goes right over the edge into the ravine. And as he's getting ready to come by, grabs this dog, pulls him from the rapids, wraps him up in her arms. He's shaking, he's shivering, and she just holds this dog. And I look at that, and I'm like, we are all the dumb dog. <laughs> we are all the dog, and we're just enjoying life. And we slip, and we fall, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And we are paddling, we're trying, we're trying to keep our head above water. And we're trying to get out. And the crazy thing is, if another dog came in, he probably would have grabbed the dog and pulled him in with him. Pulled him right into the mess. But we have a loving Savior that sees us in our mess. Yes. And is willing to come down into that mess. Yeah. And grab us and pull us out yeah. from the destruction that's coming at the end of the river. Right. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We need a Savior. We needed that Savior to come and rescue us. But it doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just end with us needing a Savior. Because we've talked about how God has called all of us. And that we have a purpose. And so, yes, we have saved. We have a Savior. We have, now, now what? Well, Jesus in Matthew, he's talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. In chapter 16, verse 24, he says to his disciples, his friends, he tells them, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Take up your own cross and follow me. And then in Romans chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, Paul again is talking to the Roman people. In chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, he says, For when we died with Christ, we were then set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And I love these passages because Jesus has saved us. He's pulled us from the river. And let's not go back in the river. Like, let's not dive back into where we were. Let's not try to go back in. It's not like he can't save us again, but let's not go in there and let's point people to the Savior. Let's go and live like the Savior. Let's try to pull people from the river. Let's go and make a difference in this world. And I want us to think about that because in this whole context, in this context, Abraham knew that God had a plan. He knew that he had a purpose. He knew that he gave him a promise and he wasn't gonna just let it fall apart. And so I love the fact that in this story, Abraham and Isaac are able to foreshadow what's going to take place 2,000 years later. 2,000 plus years later when our Savior would come. And God was able to foreshadow and show that he provides a way. He, he shows us that he cares about us so much that even from the very first book of the Bible, it's all in there. Like, why, you can't throw out the Old Testament. You can't throw out books of the Bible. They're all pointing to the fact that we need a Savior, we have a Savior, and we've all made it. Yes. Like, we're all saved. If we just believe that we, we can have that. Now, people who know me know I can be a little bit of a theology nerd. All right? 
I think some people make fun of me for it. I love it. I just nerd out on some of this stuff. One of the things is I love about the Bible. Yes, it foreshadows things. Yes, it goes into details. I love that I can go visit the places that are mentioned in the Bible. I love that there's evidence for these stories, these things that we see and the things that we read. We can go visit them. So God prepares this way with Abraham and Isaac, and he tells them to go to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is still in existence today. We can go there. Where it's located is the country of Judea. And scholars have now kind of figured out that the city that Mount Moriah, the city that this takes place in, is Jerusalem. So, where God is foreshadowing the gospel to Abraham and Isaac and tells him to go and I'll provide a lamb on Mount Moriah. 2,000 years later, he provides Jesus a lamb on the same exact mountain that he fulfilled the promise 2,000 years earlier. And one of the other cool things is Moriah, the word Moriah literally means foreseen by God. Like, that's crazy. Like, I get all nerdy and excited for that. I'm like, crazy, wow, I can't believe you did that. The other thing that I love is when we're looking through these scriptures, I had little notes, like, underlined in there because I love how God points out things in Abraham's story that are going to resonate with our story. He says in, the, in Genesis, he says that he saddled a donkey. And next week is... Palm Sunday, where we look back and we talk about how Jesus rode a donkey into the city of Jerusalem. It says, on the third day in Abraham's story, the promise was fulfilled. On the third day, our Savior rose from the dead and fulfilled our story and saved us. It says, Abraham placed the wood for the offering on Isaac's shoulders. And when we study the cross of Jesus Christ. They tied the cross to his shoulders as he walked through the city. And he puts the wood on his shoulders and carries that weight for us. God provides a lamb in Abraham's story. And we even sing about it today that God's lamb, Jesus Christ, is provided in our story. The lamb is his head stuck in the thorns and they place thorns on Christ's head as they lifted him up to be crucified. And finally, I'd like to look back at the words that God uses to describe Isaac. He says, Abraham, this is his only son, his son that he so loved. And when I think about one of the most famous verses in Christianity today, you look at John 3.16. And the band can start to come up here. But in John 3.16, it says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I love this. This is the gospel. This is what our whole being is all about. This is why we come here on a Sunday. This is what we do. This is how we live our life. This is gospel that Jesus was provided for us because God so loved us that he wanted to give him, us his son as a sacrifice. And thank God it didn't just end with his death. That on the third day he rose and because he is alive, now we can have life. I want us to focus on that little passage, though, real quick. And because I think that if you're in the room and you have not yet given your heart to God, I want you to know that this is a story for you. Yes. If you've given your heart to God already, this is still a story for you. This gospel is for you. This is for your friends. This is for your family. But in that passage in John 3, 16, it says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. We don't have to end it in the river. Like, we're not stuck in the river. We're not going to have to stay in there. We are going to be pulled out of the river. He's made a way for us. He's provided a way. All that we need to do is believe in him. Yes. Now, belief in him is a little bit different 
than just believing that he exists. And like I said, I'm a little nerdy, but I like to look at what that word actually means in the Greek of what it was originally written in. The word believe in the Greek is actually pistuo. And I like this word because it's not just a word that says, I believe that God. Or not just a word that says, I believe in a God. It's believe that God. And I used this example earlier, but I like to think about it. When I was a kid, my father would take us to the pool. He would take us to a city pool. He would take us to hotel pools. And he would teach us how to swim. And there's usually a lot of fear around water. Clearly, my dog fell in water and didn't do great. But in this story, like with my dad, he would get to the deepest part of the pool. And he would get to the edge, and he would tell me, standing on the edge, and he would say, jump in, and I'll catch you. Now, I could be on the edge and looking at my dad, and I can believe that that's my dad. I believe in him. I believe that that's him. I see his light hair. I see his muscles. I see him. This is the same man that I come home to every day. This is him. I know that this is my father. I know his characters. I know his attributes. I know him. This is him. I believe in him. But there's a difference from me knowing that this is my dad that's in the deep end of the pool. And there's a difference in believing that my dad will catch me when I jump into the pool. See, I believe that God is not just asking us to believe in him. He's saying, believe that I will take care of you. That I will save you. That I will protect you. That I will fulfill the promises that I have for you. That I can fulfill the purposes that I have for you. Are we willing to take that leap into the pool? Are you in the room and you've never taken that leap? You've just heard about this God, but you've never actually taken a step into that calling into that purpose, into that desire. And I want to give you guys that invitation today. I want to invite you to say a prayer with me, whether you've never given your heart to God and you want to make that commitment today, or maybe you just haven't, you've kind of been standing on the edge of the pool and you just haven't quite taken that leap of stepping into that calling, into that purpose. I want you to know that you don't have to be qualified It's nothing about you that's going to do it. There's nothing about you that's going to save you. There's nothing you can do to get yourself out of the mess, and that's why we have a Savior. But I want us to take that leap together. And so today, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me, whether you've already been following or whether you don't know God at all and you want to today. We're going to have everybody just close their eyes and bow their heads And we're all going to say it together so that we're not embarrassing or calling anybody out or making anybody uncomfortable if this is your first time. Because I do believe, if you're a believer, there's nothing wrong with us jumping in again. There's nothing wrong with us taking that leap and saying, God, I'm all in. I recognize my mess-ups and I recognize what you've done for me. So if you don't mind, with every eye closed, let's all pray this together and just repeat after me. Father, here I am. I am unqualified, but I believe that I am chosen. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. The only way to God. That you died on a cross for my sins. And you rose from the dead. I believe that somehow your payment on the cross counts for me. Please forgive me of all of my sin. I receive that forgiveness right now. I admit that I am a sinner. That needs a Savior. I believe in you. And I believe that you have saved me. Amen. If it is your first time praying that prayer, I want to encourage you to go to our prayer corner, which is in the back. And I want you to encourage you to just share that you've given this, your life to God, because it's a celebration here for us. It's something that we're excited for. 
and we believe that you are about to take the next step into the greatest journey of your life. I'm going to pray to close the service today, but I want us to think about the words of this next song, and I want us to join in worship together to end our service. I want us to think about the fact that we have a God that has never changed from Genesis to Matthew to Revelation, that we have a God who provided a way, that prepared a way when there seemed like there was no way for us, that we have a God that's worth celebrating, that we have a Savior that's worth celebrating, and that we're going to do this together because this is what it's all about. This is the gospel, that there is hope for all of us in this room. And there's hope for all of us in this valley. And there's even greater hope that's going to extend past our generations. So let's just stand and I'll pray and we'll just get on to some worship and just end this service the way that we should. God, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for providing a way for us. We thank you for making a way when there seemed like there, were no, there was no way. Thank you for foreshadowing what you were going to do from the beginning to the end. Thank you for being our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God, thank you for making a way. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you for including us in your purpose. Thank you for allowing us to just be a part of your story. Thank you for all these things. And God, we just pray that you just be with all of us today. Let us be able to walk confidently knowing that we are safe and secure in your arms and that you have never lost a single person. We thank you for what you're going to do and we thank you for what you have done already. In your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.